Hello and welcome to the Natty's Podcast. My name is Jared Grunewagen, and I am joined once again by Andrew, I fly bad guys, Durham. <laughs> hey! <laughs> we are also joined by Adam, I am the champion, my friends, Broar. Hello! Thank you for joining us tonight for episode three of the Natty's Podcast. Won't you be my neighbor? I, I would be if you came down from Peterborough and think about all the X-Wing games we could get in. That is true. Quick talk to your wife. <laughs> Tonight we're going to be talking about community, building community, as well as how to flank. So to start off, what have you guys been flying this week? I know that, Andrew, you've been using Tabletop Simulator a lot. Yeah, that's been a lot of fun, actually. It's not, I wouldn't say that it's a complete, like, it's definitely not like a replacement for playing tabletop face-to-face and all that kind of stuff um and there's obviously some like differences playing over the game because you don't have that physical like oh i wonder how far this is going to be as that that whole depth perception is different on the game but it's a lot of fun um in regards to what i've been flying uh, i've been flying some droids uh lots and lots of vultures <laughs> and have been having a good time with it just kind of messing around i'm really kind of hanging in the wind uh, until the next uh wave uh, comes out to see what uh are the possibilities so and how about you adam what have you been flying you know i i've barely flown anything well last tournament is the last thing i flew um yeah i i, I have no idea <laughs> What did you fly again at last tournament? Uh, I was Vader, Vermeil, and three Academy TIE Fighters. And Vader had sense, right? Yep. Oh, God. I So crazy. It's good, it's good to see uh, that kind of stuff come into the game. It's nice to see things that you don't see regularly pop up and, and work. Well, the funny thing about it is I, I built the list like a while ago, and then... I essentially saw a, a very good, I think, Tyler Tippett out of the States playing a similar version, and it kind of confirmed what I thought, which is that, you know, there's there's something there. He was playing, the other mm-hmm. version, the common version is Soon Tier instead of Vermeil. But uh, why, why get a bunch of Academy TIE Fighters and jam them in someone's face if not to punish them with, uh, with a hitter like, uh, like old Richard? In case you haven't heard, people call <laughs> Vermeil Richard. It's like it's Why? Dick Vermeil, and then they call him Richard instead. Oh, perfect! Yeah, that, that's great. <laughs> wow, I didn't know that. And now you know, and I love it when Adam brings a list to a tournament, especially one that you know it's not so common. Because Adam's always quick to be like, "Oh, you know, it was a little little thing I uh, I just thought about, you know, threw some stuff together." And then you feel really bad when you're like, "I wish I could throw stuff together like that." <laughs> I you know I play the game for fun, so I really don't, I really don't focus down on the list. The closest thing I've got to that is uh, playing that Sloan Swarm a bunch of times, just because I'm too lazy to think of something better. I mean, if you're enjoying flying a list, yeah. there's no real reason to change up what you're doing. Uh, my one friend Cliff, it's really hard to get him to fly anything besides uh, T70 and three A wings because he just really enjoys that list. <laughs> we can just change the format at the next event. No, no, uh, three. You cannot bring three RZ two A wings and one uh, T seventy. You must bring different multiples of these ships. I don't know that he would show up <laughs> unless he could still fly resistance. 
I was talking to him the other day, and he was like, I've built 31 resistance lists, 10 rebel, 2 empire, and 2 scum. There you go. Man's been hard at work. Uh, Wow. Yeah. (laughs) That's a lot of focusing down on the resistance. I don't even know. Oh, they're, they're so good. They're just so good right now. Well, for him, he really enjoys flying those two ships. He really likes T-70s and RZ-2s. So he builds lots of variations with those two ships. Sometimes he'll throw Ray in because he also likes Ray. But for the most part, it's what he likes to fly. So why would he put anything else on the table? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, g- I gave my buddy Ray uh, a chance to fly a scumless that I just kind of threw together. It was just Uncarplot, uh, L337, and then Fenrao along with Dengar. Uh, with the yep. punishing one title and oh my gosh then uh, for not being seen around right now and I know that the points will uh, will dictate a little bit difference but and I know the dial sucks and yeah. I know the action bar sucks the but Dengar broke the ship. being a six yeah but Dengar being a six if he's looking at you he can hurt you so bad especially if he gets doubled modded with that uh, coordinate action off of uh, L337 jeez yeah yeah Dengar can still bring the pain. Uh, he's really easy to fly anymore, but if he looks at you, it's going to hurt. Yeah, Dengar looked at Dutch and uh, and said and said goodbye to Dutch. <laughs> Basically, I mean, he took half on him, but like ripped him a new one. Yeah, I've seen Dengar get used with Protorps and he can use his ability with Protorps. So he can get two proton torpedoes off on the first round engagement. Wow. Ooh, that yeah, is. I've seen him melt a wedge before because uh, Dengar shot wedge, wedge shot back, Dengar shot wedge, and wedge was gone. First turn engagement. Yeah, your turn, my turn. Your turn, my turn. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So this week there was only one hyperspace trial. Most of what people were flying in was Campaign Against Cancer. And then there was the system open, like the Nordics open. Mm-hmm. Now, Nordics was different from most system opens in that it's very rebel heavy. The Nordics are always rebel heavy in their meta. Um, but the Empire list that did make it through to Top Cut, Top Cut was top 10, uh, were both... Uh, it was two lists. It was both four phantoms without crack shot. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And they all had juke, yeah? Yeah, there was three jukes on the list. Yep. Uh, it's scary. It's good. It's, it's proven. <laughs> there was also yeah. two lists that we used 4K wings. Yep. And there was one scum list that was a Drea swarm. Yep, with uh, skirts, right? Yeah, Drea and three locks. Yay, dreadlocks. And then there was yep. one resistance list, which was the resistance fives. Yep, five five A wings. No, the four yeah. oh, five the initiative five, right. pilots. Lu- I know, um, I know. Yeah. Tally, Lulo, Nian, and Ello. Yep, flown against that. That is so- th- those are all solid, solid lists. Definitely solid list. Um, so I went through and did the numbers for all of the system opens that were on list fortress so toronto adepticon uk denver and now nordics and there's 131 lists total 
uh, 42 were rebel, which equates to about 32% of the field being rebel. That's a number. <laughs> 26% of the field had Leia. Yeah, of course. I mean, I would not go in with a rebel list right now uh, without Leia, to be very honest. I mean, I really like Colin Pinkerton's list uh, with the Dutch Wedge uh, and Luke with Protorps. Yeah. But if you're not flying that, uh, you, you better have Leia, essentially, is what I'm thinking. Now, the other big scary is the four phantoms. And everyone knows about it. Everyone talks about it. And there's basically two lists majorly that people are using. There's either the four phantoms with or without Juke, and then there's the three phantoms invader. So we've got then two other variations, which is uh, the three phantoms with Richard, <laughs> and then there was uh, three phantoms and countdown. Yeah. So of the list that had a generic phantom, they made up 20% of the field. And yep. overall, in cuts. In the cut, yeah, yeah, yeah. So only the people that made it five and one. Yeah, I mean, well, a lot of people start, I, I've heard a lot of people sit there and uh, through podcasts and different people talking and say, you know, oh, I don't know, I don't have a world's ticket yet. I don't know if what I want to fly, et cetera, et cetera. I guess I'll just fly four phantoms or uh, I guess I'll just fly Rebel Beat. More so it's like the four phantoms. Yeah. It's like, yeah, four phantoms. I want my world's ticket and I'll just, once I get my world's ticket, then, you know, I'll, 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 then I can mess around. I can chill out a little bit and, and do a few different events here and there and get prizes or whatever. I, at least I got my world's ticket. So it's like Phantoms is like the, 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 the hall pass uh, to worlds of you. I mean, it still takes obviously some skill to fly it well, comparably to somebody who's never flown fans before, to somebody who knows what they're doing, it's gonna—they're gonna obviously be the ones taking it through to the top tables and hopefully taking it. But uh, it, uh, it it is on the less complex side of things. So well, you 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 literally get what was it twelve actions? Yeah, like yeah, yeah. That seems pretty it's, good. It's great. Yep, I'll take twelve actions. Yeah, it's very good. It's very strong. Yeah, I'll take it. 12, 12 actions, please. Table of one. Now, I, it's still not like at a 1.0 list thing where any player can take it and do well. Like Ghost Fen, like people can just, they're going to make top, they're going to make four wins because they just point and shoot. Like it still takes a good player to fly four phantoms and do well with it, I believe. So I think there's a lot more players that are flying it, just not making cut. Mm-hmm. Have you guys flown against the quad phantoms? I know I have in in the Toronto system open. I did not get to fly against them at system open. It's like you sound so sad. Like I didn't get to. Geez, maybe next time. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's because I kind of scrubbed out, so I lost. Yeah, all the and, phantoms are probably, yeah. yeah, I lost, and I just never yeah. won until the end. So, Adam, what about you? No, I didn't. Not one. One of the numbers that I think is very surprising about the system opens is that the resistance had 15 lists make it to cut, but then guess how many lists actually made it to top eight, actually got their world's invite? Oh, one? Uh, three. Let's say three. Zero. Wow. <laughs> oh, jeez. Yeah. So there was five Republic lists, but none made it to top eight. There's three CIS, the Separatists, zero made it to top eight. And there was 14 scum lists and only two made to top eight. Whoa. Oh, those are the dreadlocks, eh? Oh man, 
Now you're making me go and look through my list again. This is over all the opens, correct? Yeah, so one yeah. was the Nordics, uh, which was won by a scum. Lock Drea List, flown by yep. Nicholas God Nilsson. God Nilsson? That's how it's listed on List Fortress. That is, that's a name. That's, that's a name. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure what the other one is. I would have to scroll through and try and find the top eight, but... Uh, nine first order made it to cut, and three made it to top eight. Not a boys. We also had 43 Empire in top cut, with 14 making top eight, and 42 Rebel with 18 making top eight. Wow, that's crazy. So top eight is 48.6% Rebel. So what you're saying, Jared, yeah, is we have no. a terrorist problem. Yeah, there's a terrorist problem. <laughs> <laughs> We have to. We do not barter with terrorists. We must destroy them. Points up. Points up. (laughs) Now, hyperspace is a bit of a different story. Uh, Resistance is still not doing super well. Um, But we have uh, 158 lists, 14 resistance, and still zero in the top four. Surprising. Yeah. Now, there was 18 Republic lists and nine half of them made it to top four uh there was nine separatists with three making top four 52 rebel lists and 22 make it to top four 26 empire with 12 making top four okay yeah so the the empire is the best the best percentage making cut well first order actually because uh first order was 8.9 percent and then top cut they were 13.2 um first order had 14 lists in top eight and they had nine in top four. Oh, yeah and scum is right there 12 yeah. to eight because That's everybody weird. discovered double epsilon and gyla or double epsilon and quick draw well uh first order 71% of the First Order used an Upsilon, but only 28.6% used Kylo and two Upsilons. Yeah, that's still more than a quarter. That's still more than a quarter. Of, it is still more than a quarter, but... Yeah, no. That's, that's, uh, that is surprising that the, the First Order is actually making it through, especially when people, I think, regard the first order as more of a well-rounded faction yeah contrary to something that's like really broken yeah like i think leia uh, for two points is a, a fairly it's not like game breaking because it fits the design fine but leia has uh, for two points is like that's obviously a huge push for that whole faction yeah right where i agree there doesn't like to seem to have that same mirror in a, in other factions yeah. Yeah. Part of that is the U Wing is so affordable that Leia is then also very affordable. Right? Like, without the U Wing, yeah. where would Leia be? She wouldn't be in the game. Yeah, exactly. Off the top gunship. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I don't think, like, in hyperspace, yes, you have the U Wing that can carry Leia, or you have the Falcon, and, and I think that's. But it. even in. Ex- even an extended no it extended like in hyperspace yes you only have basically the falcon or the u-wing but in extended there's so many different options you have the phantom to the attack shuttle like in in extended you have 35 leias and only 25 u-wings so there's 10 leias that are not on a u-wing 
And yes, U-wings are the most prevalent, but like people are finding other ships to put her on. Leia is just good. Yeah. There are still a lot of U-wings. Don't get me wrong there. <laughs> I mean, yeah, U-wings as far as the eye could see. Well, I mean, it's got it's got eight health and two dice, right? Like that's not an easy thing to Yeah. Do. I agree. Like Leia is on 83 and a half percent of the faction but only about 60% of the faction use a U-Wing. Leia is just good. I hate when somebody natties out with a, with a U-Wing and you just sit there going, sure. <laughs> no, I didn't want to hurt you anyhow. Yeah. It's fine. <laughs> just die already. Seriously. <laughs> and take your princess along with you. <laughs> so let's, let's move on. And I want to talk about the meta. And where do you see it going like do you think how do you think it's going to change let's start with hyperspace but how do you think the meta is going to change what's going to happen i mean for who or just as a whole as a whole you know what do you think is going to happen with hyperspace what do you think is going to change where do you think it's going to go or is it going to change we have these new ships these new cards coming out so before the new points change more specifically with this new stuff what do you think is going to happen yeah, the points are really soon, right? It's like weeks away. Uh, most most likely July. end of July. Oh, okay. Um, I mean, scum who feels like they don't show up, but apparently they do. Um, I don't. My opinion: the races cost too much. You know. Yeah. Fen Fenrau and Guri are both amazing, but they only get an action. And there's, I mean, comp- compare Fen Rao to Soon Tierfell. Who do you think's gonna live longer? Who do you think's gonna be, who's more affordable and allows you a better list beside him? It's yeah, I would a, take a uh, more viable tier. ability, right? Like, I, I think you're a little biased on that one, Andrew. Yeah. If I flew Scum and I flew Imperial, I would fly Sunter. Sunter's 52 points, and he yeah. essentially is is God. I mean, when you up the points on your aces, you make it really difficult to put good ships in together with them and have the bid. So your sixes aren't as strong. Fenrau is pretty strong, but he... Uh, but yeah. if he's a six, right? You're- yeah. I mean, I think that Fen has a little bit better ability than Sintir does, but you're saying Sintir's 52 points. That's a 16-point difference. And yeah. I'm not quite sure that that 16 points is worth that ability. Uh, so I think you might be right. And is is he's got a more powerful ability, but it also comes with increased exposure to risk. Yeah. You know, at range three, only at range one is he better. Everywhere yeah. else, I'd say he's worse. Fair. Yeah, I would agree. And right, like, and Suntir has the ability to like get that double mods, right? Where and the double repositioning if need be. Actually, double repositioning and a mod still if necessary. Yeah. Right. Well, where yeah. Th- that's three actions where Fen Rao is stuck to the max of two, right? So that's a big. That's, I think, another big difference. I always like, and I think, Adam, you pointed that out a long time ago, is that measuring the ability of ships in the potential actions that they can produce can can be, especially if they're the same type of ship, right? If they're both aces, measuring them in actions can sometimes be a very useful way to determine which one is stronger versus not. I mean, it's, 
it's it's tools in the toolbox, right? It was a thing that I heard on the I think it was Minox. It was a it was a guy out of Japan, I think, where he he looked at actions equating to who won, and the more actions you get to perform, the you you essentially always win. Now it it kind of is just makes sense because you're you've got more ships. That's part of why you're winning. Yep. But like, once again, look at like, look at the really strong ships right now. Yeah. And I mean, both look the, at yeah, the dreadlocks and the the phantoms, right? Yeah. Tons of actions. Yeah, I mean, you have that with the with the Leia crew. Yep. She's giving you actions on the turnaround right now. Oh yeah. It's huge right now for a lot of games. I know when I'm facing Leia, you you see her flip those three charges. You're just like, oh man, because they're going to flip around. They still get actions. They still get shots. Yeah, the ceiling's really high. Uh, Like, depending on the amount of ships that you bring, the turnaround is that upwards of how many actions in lieu of how many actions your opponent perhaps did not take in their turnaround. Right? So. Yeah, I mean, you're basically turning the whole faction into defenders. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, not a hundred percent, but in the concept no. of that, it, that. Uh, but for, but for that the turn, turn to for be able turn. to take actions, yeah, it's pretty. It's very strong. So, do you think that anything is going to change with extended? Now that we're getting new ships, new cards, like, do you think that resistance has a chance now? Um, their their new ship I, is the. Yeah, you know, maybe I. I don't know. The yeah, flying the couch. flying couch. The. I mean. They're getting some crew. They, they they really have been asking for new crew, and we we haven't we know we haven't seen them all. Like we haven't seen the new Leia yet. Same ability, just for resistance. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> I really. I, I thought not. they were gonna make her a torpedo. Uh, yeah, yeah. She's gonna be a torpedo. She a, she's a torpedo. Yeah. <laughs> um. I. She, you know you what the problem? Out, she flips off somebody and then comes back. I think the resistance couch is going to be dead on arrival because the resistance doesn't fly like rebel beef would be the thing that you'd want to put that with right some beefy ships yeah that doesn't exist in resistance mm, not really no you got you can hide the couch behind some bombers maybe like no well and we're only seeing a couple bombers getting play so do you think now that they're getting crew they might have a chance in hyperspace or extended like maybe they've been asking for crew for a while a lot of people say we need some good crew with the bombers and we don't have it so now Uh, i mean maybe that better bomb maybe they'll they'll see better use from it but i i don't know they're just a they're kind of big they're not that hard to kill. I mean, theoretically, Venny's harder to kill, but yeah, kind kind of like I don't know something about adding two evade results to a was it God again? It's like ten. Is it ten health or twelve? I mean, Ed, th- there's so many things that can that can melt that thing before it before it does much of anything. Yeah, Venny has twelve, uh, nine and yeah. three. Yeah, three shield, nine health. And that's hoping you don't catch some crit that just some devastating crit. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I just. How about for the separatists or the republic? You know, these two new factions. They're getting these two new ships. How do you think that's going to affect hyperspace or extended? 
do you think these ships are going to make any kind of splash at all? Or are they kind of dead on arrival as well? Yeah, I'll jump in on that one. I, I think, it, it, to sum a little bit of it, I mean, the hyperspace is pretty nice. It's 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 pretty enjoyable to fly. I mean, the, the Rebel Beef, I think, is uh, a thing that will be... When we see the points change, I think that'll be a nice help with it. Uh, because, you know, if we get Leia to a healthier spot, uh, then I think we will see some changes, not a ton. And then... It w- and we are getting introduced to all these new ships that will make it in. So uh, I think that it will be it, perhaps like the flying couch uh, will be a good support to trigger off those actions of your ships. But I don't know how much of a thing it will play because the a lot of the ships that already exist get to have their uh, many different modifications so they get to take actions sometimes when they're not supposed to be taking actions regularly like doing their talent rolls with Nian and all that kind of stuff they're doing some already it's not like they need a ton of help they're already existing perfectly fine on their own uh, but that hyena droid uh, very strong the addition of a, I mean we'll talk uh, a little bit later but the addition of that new sensor coming in is going to bring up a lot of the lower initiative kind of ordnance carriers I think and that's going to be a big change I think um, it regards to extended I would like to obviously see the phantoms change out there I mean that is just potentially there's too just too much it's gonna be, I think it's gone on for a little while too long uh, phantoms definitely need to have some tweaking um, juke specifically I, I don't know where you hit between the two of them but there has to be a healthy medium between the two of them to make it so that that list is uh, like everything gets to have its moment in the spotlight I think it's time to move some things out of the spotlight and and they always want to sell these new ships so I'm sure they will have a pretty good effect on the the format the meta coming for moving forward so I mean point change is kind of out of the picture for a while yet uh, July's not far we're coming into June yeah it's it's still like two months away like we've got a few casts yet <laughs> we will never answer this question again before the point change I'm, I'm not saying never talk about it again but I'm saying right now we've got these new ships coming up what do we have to look forward to that's going to shake up the meta before the points change like nothing right now is going to help the UK nationals this week. Yep. Yeah, I think you're right. And then also like the um, and Atlanta. Yeah, the Atlanta system open is coming up this weekend. Nothing's going to help those, but we've got some other things coming up. We've got like Seattle's coming up, I think, and like we have Spain and Italy coming up shortly. Like, can these new cards and new ships? Like, I know people have been talking about the new sensor. Uh, sensor card on the Alpha class Star Wings. Gunboats! So if they get this help, do you think that that can help start to push down the Phantoms? Because like, with Hatchet Man, Hatchet Man was made to fight the, um, the four Phantom lists. Like, that's why Andrew Knuckles brought it to Denver. And when he faced one, it was dead on arrival because the Hatchet Man just destroyed them specifically. So do you think that other gunboats or other carriers that use this card have that have this ability now to defeat these phantoms oh they're gonna be the new gunboats the generics are gonna be crazy strong essentially all they're gonna do is they're just gonna move forward take the action wait till the next wait till they engage take the target lock and then you're gonna shoot triple probably triple uh, ordnance at something 
So, so do you think then this new card is going to change? Do you think there's going to see a lot more phantoms coming up after the sixth? I don't know. I don't know about phantoms, but uh, not phantoms. The yeah, gunboats. A hundred percent. Gunboats are definitely going to be there. Hyenas are definitely going to be there. Uh, anything that's got the system slot and is a cheap ordnance carrier, it, or if it's a little more durable ordnance character uh, carrier like the gunboats are, uh, yep, they'll be there. Hundred percent. So, do you think that then has the ability to push down the phantoms? Mm, nope. <laughs> nope, I don't think so. The Phantoms are just really, really good, and they can already handle uh, lots of ships, uh, even with Ordnance, because uh, they will get up and hurt things. Because the, the scary part of that is that you're taking target lock, and you, they still have Juke, and then Juke goes off on everything, and you can't do anything about it. So, is there a list, or what list do you think could do well in the meta and push down the phantoms. I think um, the dreadlocks can kill the phantoms. Yeah, yeah, that, that's a good example of something that kills phantoms. Well, uh, eh, you know what? They can also kill a dreadlock before it shoots, though. So hmm. it's uh, it's kind of a tricky go-to. Uh, I think uh, what is it? Uh, the uh, the upsons are pretty good. Uh, oh wait, no, I guess that's extended too, right? Uh, I guess you could uh, upsons would still be pretty decently strong against them. Um, especially like the dual upsons with a with an ace build could yeah. be pretty strong because oh, you would just go in there uh, and you they, they just they they'd be fine like okay that's fine I'll soak some damage uh, good luck with this uh, these four to five attack dice from both of my ships and my ace hitting you uh, hopefully you live good luck <laughs> like, now now do you think that these phantoms are going to start taking targeting computer no. You don't think that's a viable option? You don't think it's worth the target lock action? Nope. No, not not whatsoever. They want to uh, survive, and if they start taking things other than focus, then when they go to roll those evade dice, they're going to probably be losing those uh, evade tokens much more. And those phantoms really survive if they keep that evade token, right? If they can cloak the next round and do their repositioning and then make more shots, uh, they're laughing. But if you knock those evade tokens off, they start to struggle a little bit more. Oh, yeah, I was just going to say, yeah, the, we, the Minox were talking about the Phantoms, and, th like, these guys play those. They said they'd sooner take a, a, a hit than spend their evade token. Exactly. 100%. Like, they'll take half damage over not cloaking with the rest of the group. <laughs> exactly. 100%. And I experienced that when I flew against them in the system open, where the guy just hung on to his evade tokens like no nobody's business. Unfortunately, I was bringing a lot of crit dealers, so uh, a few too many crits snuck in on some phantoms, and they they kind of popped. But uh, but yeah, no, they love holding on to those evades because they really want that that repositioning. That uh, like you having to really make the choice next turn: are they going to be here, or are they going to be there, or what about there, or like all that kind of stuff. Now, what kind of list do you think we're going to start to see? You're going to start coming up with the hyena or the N1. <laughs> um, can, can I competitive or otherwise? I think already. I think there'll be Padme plus a couple of handmaidens and Anakin Skywalker, something along those lines. And the three of them will fly together in formation, keep the mods down, spread out the damage between each other, and then you're going to have to make the choice of whether you 
try to chase down and kill Anakin, or you let Anakin do whatever he bloody well pleases, and you try to take out uh, these triple and ones coming in uh, with all this def- defense. So Aether Sprite Anakin. Uh, yep, Anakin Aether Sprite plus yeah, no, not the not the spinning Anakin, <laughs> Anakin Aether Sprite and a triple and ones, uh, two handmaidens and. Uh, then Padme plus, you know, whatever mods he can fit in there, I think will be just fantastic. Um, maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like Obi-Wan could do well there too. Ooh, yeah, true. Yeah, I don't think that you'll fit a... I don't think you'll fit Anakin in with the 7B title, which is how everybody flies him, pretty much. Because um, he's 60 by himself. Once you throw the title on... Hey, yeah, eighty points, easy. Yeah, he's seventy-eight points then. Well, what's an A-wing cost? Like, what's like an average A-wing cost? Because I don't fly those things. Oh man, I don't like either. generic A-wing. Uh, like an average A-wing cost, period. Forty points. Plus Forty minus. points, and what's and what's an average X-wing cost? Like fifty points or so? Not fifty points. Fifty-two points for wedge. So I'm thinking, yeah, exactly. So I'm thinking N1s will probably, because they're not as good as an X-Wing, they're better than an A-Wing in most regard, if not all of them, I believe. I think they're going to fit in that middle point range. So if Anakin's sitting at, what'd you say, 80 points? 78. 70, okay, so yeah, essentially 80 points. That leaves you 120 points to fit in uh, three N1s, two uh, Handmaidens and, and Padme. I think that'll make it. Now... Based on the stream, we're pretty sure that Padme is about forty-five points. Yeah, that, so that's real tight. You need it's real tight. You need real your handmaidens to be about thirty-eight. They're lean. They're lean handmaidens. They've been working out. They're uh, they're good. <laughs> yeah, I don't think you're gonna see Anakin, Padme, and two handmaidens. Just you wait. Uh, I can see. Like, I can see one. You might, but like. Padme really wants to have that juke, right? And the handmaidens want juke. So even with Padme and one handmaiden, that's 10 points for two jukes. Five just for Padme. That brings her to 50 points. All right. I'll, ma- I'll make you a deal. If okay. if they if I can fit it, I'm flying it <laughs> just oh. once. <laughs> oh. I'll, for once, I'll fly a faction that's not evil. Deal. <laughs> I'll take that bet. Antagonistic. How about the hyena? What kind of lists do you see being built around that ship? Um, in swarms, uh, the rush hour kind of bombers already exist. It'll probably be a similar thing like that. Um, but that one, uh, the one hyena though that has the coordinate for the calculate as well as can bring the solitary, you might see him being swapped in for him as if he's a, a male robot. Uh, I'll it swap in that robot in for a uh, Belbelub and throw any solitary on that for the cheaper price and then you can you know i don't know what you can do with that but maybe uh mess around with the the initiative some of your uh droids maybe you throw uh, maybe you think it can get another the hyena get some ordnance on uh, because then you'd have like you know seven energy shells perhaps you know something along those lines now what do you think about that one alongside double sith instead of grievous Maybe for the double mods, like that could be. Can he double mod? 
Yeah, because he spends a quarter. They calculate to coordinate. Well, because if he coordinates, them, can can he coordinate, or does it got to be network calculation? It, no, it's, it's just a. He has network calculation, but it has to. It's a coordinate. So you spend a calculate, I believe, is what it says to then take the coordinate action in the engagement phase. So that's going to be pretty. That could be devastating if you're double modding those infiltrators. Uh, they're already double modded, they, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. True. Um, I yeah, mean, I don't but, know. Probably they, they probably wouldn't fit in there. A, a quick jam from uh, from Dooku or whoever would be pretty handy. Yeah, yeah, that's very fair. Yeah, especially during the engagement phase too, right? Yep. Well, I mean, he doesn't They're like. Oh, <laughs> you have I mean, that he, thing, do you? <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's a three. He's not exactly, you know. Not exactly able to pull off those jams easily. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, exactly. No, I think that's that's actually a pretty good um, idea is that you make it happen during that phase. Like, you get that jam going. Uh, no, I'm just reading it now. You have to have necker calculations. Oh, does it? Uh, oh. It can only coordinate a ship that has network It's all right. I'm sure we'll edit all of this out. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I just looked it up. And what about that new solitary, that that new tactical relay droid, uh, the TA-175? It says, uh, when a friendly ship with calculate on its action bar is destroyed, each ship at zero to three friendly ship with calculate on its action bar gains a calculate token. Do you think that is going to be able to replace Kraken? Yep. Or maybe not even replace Kraken, but like, people think of putting that one on instead of the highly dominant Kraken. Yeah, I think yeah. depending on the cost, right? I think it'll be less than Kraken, so I think people kind of do that as like a budget build, but being able to just reload your energy shells and then lose a guy, it, it will be kind of that quick draw effect where you're like, ooh, do I shoot this guy? Because like, even if it's not, maybe it's not anything to do with energy shells at all. Maybe you're just all at range one and some of your guys don't have um, calculate or whatever else. Maybe they flew through an, uh, through a cloud, right? Then you could be like, oh, geez, I could shoot one and kill one, but then they're all going to have calculate and essentially most of them are at range one because they jump through the cloud here just to get at me. Like that could Like, that could be pretty scary. Yeah. I'd, I'd say like the swarm with just you know you just don't you don't ever calculate ever again you just target lock and they kill oh, a ship yeah. you know you jam them in their face they kill a ship and then you know you 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 punish them horribly for it and it's a great trade it's like uh, the absolutely. like losing like yeah. a tie fighter right you're like oh no you you took 20 24 points from me oh it'd be a shame if you lost anything <laughs> exactly like that's it's yeah. for it's for trading that that card is to is for a trading list where you you essentially offer them a piece in exchange for you know it's a deal with the devil right oh have this ship oh yeah what could go wrong oh wait a second here's yeah here's yeah. four double modded <laughs> energy shells you know yeah, or just range one shots. Mm. Exactly, range one shots, right? Like, and and chances yep. are maybe you've got some bumping going on for some of them, right? Like you maybe you t maybe you put him in a situation where he doesn't even have an action because I know that's happened tons where you just push an ace um, to have to go through a swarm the swarm and just 
uh, you know, they bump along the way, but you, they, you know, they want to attack something, but if they attack something, then you pop and everybody gets now actions. And yeah, it's just, obviously, you, you have to trade, right? If you don't trade, then, uh, well, that was, that was a horrible waste of time. Yeah. Yeah. You want to have guns on them. If yeah, if you don't have guns on them, then it's going to feel pretty crappy. But that would always feel bad whether you had Kraken or not. Uh, except for, I mean, I guess if you have Kraken, then you'll have more like defensive mods. But they're they're not meant to really defend that great. They're a little more durable than they sh- they present at the very beginning. But you start knocking them away a little bit, you know, they they start falling. So. Yeah, the, the 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 offense could be. It really make I. It would not be surprised if somebody looks at a swarm of them and goes, you know what? I'm just not going to shoot right now, just for the sake of uh, keeping my mods, maybe, or uh, it, it turning around the next turn and uh, taking shots when maybe that something won't shoot me back with double mods or even a mod, like stuff like that. All right. Well, we're going to take time for a quick commercial break. But when we come back, we're going to discuss X-Wing community and developing an X-Wing community. Hi, this is Sea Sky Squadron Podcast. Bonjour, c'est un message de Sea Sky Diffusion. We are the number one Canadian X-Wing podcast. On méritant contre ma volonté. Give us a listen if you want a pretty casual, relaxed X-Wing podcast. Uh, it's not very professional, but hey, it's what we do best. Faites plus de compassion et écoutez notre émission si non il n'aimait libéral pas. Welcome back. And now we're going to start talking about the X-Wing community. Like, what does it take to have an X-Wing community? Um, I'll, I'll jump in there to start and give you give like my little bit of feedback. Just as, you know, I've, I've tried to put a lot of effort in uh, seeing uh, that have a pretty awesome community develop and uh, become something. Uh, I think, like, the game itself is really, really good. But it definitely does take some loving care to continue to have like people come out and, and join in lots of different events, or even have casual nights. You know, a few. I mean, a f- there's a few factors that I think work really well to developing a community. One, you have to, I think, enjoy the game, right? You, you want to if you if you don't enjoy the game, you don't have a lot of fun with the game. It, it, it kind of is a, a moot point in the first place. But you gotta love the game and enjoy it. And uh, and feel comfortable with the idea of playing with other people. Sometimes people just prefer staying at home and playing with uh, just friends and like in the basement kind of idea. But so do that. Uh, if, once you got those under your belt, then it's like, okay, well, where could I develop? So there's, uh, I would say, just you know, look around at local game stores, you, even the places where you're purchasing your X-wing from and uh, see what opportunities if there isn't already a community there and that, that's, that's the essence is that you're starting something up is uh, see what kind of opportunities places open up to us I know here in Oshawa when we first began we started actually we started in my backyard originally <laughs> but uh, then uh, very quickly we uh, were in Worlds Collide and we I was bringing I was bringing they don't they don't sell food there but I was 
asked permission and they they were granted the idea that I could bring in my own food uh, and dish it out to people while we played some games. So that was felt pretty nice. Little did I know that there were going to be board game cafes opening up around the corner. And the the idea of always just having food on site was such a, a nice feeling, I thought, especially considering that I knew there were lots of different events that already occurred where you'd have to leave the place where you were playing maybe into unfamiliar territory and like go out and find a place where you had to pack a lunch but just always being able to provide food was awesome and then you know just have some fun with it from there then you can talk to your own community and and talk about like what you would like to do so you know i would always extend the idea that kids get a good basis get some casual nights going right get some get some people out just playing and having some fun and then introduce some uh, enjoyable uh, events where people can come out and they don't have to be competitive. You don't have to like look to mirror hyperspace, uh, like hyperspace and uh, like system opens or anything like that. Just, you know, uh, when we began, we had just a handful of people coming out and playing some games. And it just kind of, it's grown over the time with dedication. But first and foremost, it's just have a good time and, uh, when you're developing and just and having a good time it kind of comes naturally that you uh, other people are enjoying it so that it starts to grow as you know through word of mouth or you throw it out there so and now we, we sit at you know a couple of board game cafes that we run in events out of there and we got casual nights at, at twice a week at, at two different locations and uh it's uh, it's really enjoyable like that it's really fun so that like that's that's some of my little points that i think uh, work so far so I yeah I know I it's funny we're talking about stuff that I just just heard other people talking about um, you know building the building a community is I mean, you, you have to find ways to make people find it inviting and accessible and like like the you got to give them something that they can actually digest. Like the full game is too much for a person to learn. They they need to start small. And they need to feel welcome. Yeah. You know, like, Very much so, so. So like we you know, we don't do it enough, but like, you know, like even just like fur balls or I've actually been contemplating trying to start some other type of format that maybe people would find a little easier to play just to get used to the mechanics of the game but without having to face off against a single opponent you know like like mm-hmm. the fur like the fur balls where you just you just practice setting dials and rolling dice you know yeah, I mean, even Fine. when uh, we did some of those furballs, we had people playing that had never even played X-Wing before just for the sheer fact of, like, getting in and joining in on something. Yeah, it's, it's that easy, right? You can... you So you die. Wh- whoop de do. Everyone else is. You're not really getting... <laughs> you're not getting beat down by somebody, though, you know? You're, you're playing a game with people. I, th- I think that's... That's a big thing. I, I you know, I, I actually know. I played a game with somebody... And I am sure I gave him a negative play experience just by bringing something too hard for him to to play against to understand. And you know what? Never saw him again. So my bad. But you know, 
He's, he's wow. literally Adam just killing our opportunities. <laughs> he, he like he came out that one time and he just never came out again. Yeah, yeah. There's definitely when when you experience new players, it is definitely a good idea to create such a casual and enjoyable format to play in that it's very important, especially learning the game and everything. There's some little like tricks of the trade. I know over the time as somebody flies in a different direction, it sound like, no, 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 you're not flying that way. Don't worry. Well, we, we all were there and you flip them around, send them the other way. And like, if we're hey, keep the game short, keep it real simple, you know, don't even bring upgrades, bring ships that don't do too much. Uh, it, keep them on target, right, as much as possible in the game. Maybe you're running a little low on time. Yeah, you just move the ships back on the board, have some more fun, roll some more dice. Like, it just make it super, super casual just to enjoy your time with each other. And, and you know what? And I think X-Wing Fantasy Flight was just talking about more cards to give to people for just coming out and playing. And I think that's part yeah. two, right? Just support, swag, whatever you want to call it. You know, like, I've got so many extra cards from from buying those conversion kits. I, You know, if someone comes in there that's new, I just hand them, hand them the two inches of cards and say, take anything you want. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. I think that's one of the things, too, that people get so attracted to. It's, it's not, like, you know, first and foremost, the game looks really good. So people, you have people walking over. But when... Take every opportunity that you get. So when you have people walking over, you know, don't let them just stand there at the side while you're tr- trying to play your game. You know, pause the timer for a second or continue either way. But you know, say hi. You know, well, uh, it, 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 I'm sure as soon as you say hi, they're going to ask uh, some questions. You know, you probably usually get the "What's this? What's this game?" And you're gonna, hey, you know, it's it's this game. You, we meet up uh, this time, this time, or what? I'm free in a little bit if you want to check what, check a game out. You know. And people quite often will even stick around or find it so appealing when they see how everyone's treating each other. Because I find really in the X-Wing community, people treat each other quite well more often than not. I know we're it's like a bunch of uh, guys and girls ha- hanging around, especially at our board game cafes. You know, we're having a drink, we're having a good time. Where you can tell that it you're amongst friends, that you're welcome. Is it how it feels? Uh, and uh, and then getting these little and then getting these people like oh yeah you do play the game but you're new you want to check through this uh, thing thing this uh, deck of cards or oh you know we have got some patronage cards you you go up to the front you, you bring them back you know an alt art uh, engine upgrade or the proton torpedo it's like here you go dude you know uh, or do that <laughs> like thanks uh, uh, thanks for coming out dude like uh, hope to see you again sometime uh, um, it really makes people feel quite special and makes it more it's more than just the game at that moment it's about literally that community literally about people coming together and having that interaction that maybe they don't necessarily get all the time in between work and you know the life of uh where it's like online gaming where the interactions are just kind of you know no offense to online gaming but the interactions are different and sometimes we've taken ourselves away from spending good quality time person to person I think another thing that's important is consistency. And that's something that Peterborough struggles with a lot. But like when I first started, I was playing very casually just with a friend. And I found out there was a game night when people played X-Wing. So I would go out and no one played. So I switched games and I was playing a different game. And then suddenly people were showing up to play X-Wing again. Like, oh, we're going to start up a league. 
and that's when I really got into the game and into the community because there was now people. So I was showing up again. And like this past winter, we had a bunch of our people that would either either be working or we're gonna play different Star Wars games. And so we would lose people because, well, I wouldn't go because I was gonna be the only X-Men guy and then somebody had showed yeah. up. Yeah, consistency is very important. I've always you know, strived and I think a lot of people, I mean, I've definitely had the support of guys like Will and Adam and uh, Jameson back in the past and even recently was painting up some stuff uh, that uh, working together, you know, being consistent, making sure that the casual nights are happening, making sure that events are existing each month, um, because there are always lots of opportunities elsewhere. Uh, you, like you, the, nobody needs to come to your community necessarily. There, there are lots of different places around to go to if they if they need to play or want to play. Uh, in the, if you keep it consistent and keep it healthy then you're going to foster that growth if you if you start ending up with like lots of blank areas where people aren't going or you're not if you're not putting anything out there uh then and, and not making it inviting for people to attend well then uh, people aren't going to attend right especially not when you're first beginning out like after you get it up and running you know then people will start out of habit be showing up but at first you know you got to put lots of love and and consistent uh time and effort is beneficial so yeah, like an example would be, you know, you're going to play with your friend, meet him at the store, do it at the store. At least maybe you'll catch catch somebody, you know? That's a good idea. Yeah. Now, I want to switch tracks a little bit, and I want us to go into our skills clinic section of the podcast. Whee! Now, for our skills clinic, one of the things people thought about was flanking. They asked how to flank. So... How do you flank? What is your method? Like, let's say you have Centur Fell. What are you thinking? What are you trying to do when you're trying to get a flank on your opponent? Adam, uh, what do you say about this one? I got my own kind of style of it. Like, what do you say? I'd, I'd say almost always there's there's a bait. And you, you, you hang out that bait in front of them and just force that decision you know do I do I point in the direction that that guy can eventually come in or do I try to kill this thing in front of me and I mean it obviously very patient you know the the more patience the better for the flank uh, I mean if you if you're trying to flank with everything uh, there's a very good chance that something's gonna get caught anyway so you might as well prepare and you know pick a ship give it a way out and you know do your best to try to get them to bite I mean yeah I, I, I play different than a lot of people in the sense that I don't I, I'm not building a list thinking about losing nothing I'm building a list saying I'm willing to trade this 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 is the first one I want to die. This is the second one I want to die. This is the third, you know, and and like I mean, committing those ships to do those things forces those other people to to do that. Like if I if I'm putting a ship in your face that I'm I'm willing to get I'm willing to let it die in this turn. 
how can you just ignore it? How can you just... <laughs> how can you... No, yeah. no. Soon Tear's coming around the rock in two turns. I'm gonna go for him. Like... Especially when it's something so slippery. It's hard to flank with something that doesn't reposition them. That's that's all that, that wraps back into the... Double repositioning. That's what you need to flank. Yeah, I mean... Vader can yeah, get the flank. Helps. But... You know, it. he wants the flank. But if, if that's why everyone's putting afterburners. That's the only way to make it feasible. But mm-hmm. if afterburners he... so good. It, yeah. Uh, but if Vader didn't have someone else taking the heat, he wouldn't... He'd never get the flank. The yeah. very, very few ships be... can just force that. I completely agree with the the dangling the bait out there. I love to, I, especially with Suntir or any ship that can make those really tight turns, I love to just kind of play little crab games where I'm like, uh, I turn this way, barrel back in. Turn that way, barrel back in. J- like just wait in, in hiding in a good position on the board until it's time. Like really take your time you don't have to i don't think you necessarily won't need to always rush the flank and sometimes i find that people will shoot up the board and sometimes it works but sometimes it's a, like a giveaway or they've they've unless they're really good at where they've been they're sometimes you give away your moment so you really kind of want to wait keep an eye as to what your opponent's maneuvers are uh, where can they be? I mean, Leia really screws up a lot of this, unfortunately, because those uh, those red turns with still t- keep keeping actions can really make it hard to flank because you know they they could turn around. So the getting on the sides is pro- is like the best situation where you know getting it behind isn't not necessarily always so great. So that that can be a little bit scary, but yeah, waiting taking your time seeing like really judging the distance so if you're like okay well i can i could shoot up the board right now i think this is time to flank because i know that even with their best maneuvers most of those ships if not all those ships are not going to be able to get that get that arc on me so as soon as you see that opportunity then go for it uh, but you really want to make sure that they are they're in a position where they're dedicating themselves and especially if you're playing against ships that can sl- uh, slow play so like the rebels like you know a lot of y wing and x wings they can just do those one forwards right so any ships that just have one forwards uh, you have to be really careful because quite often you will see those kind of those the like the rebel beef and such slow play a little bit so that they pull your aces out and let them, because uh, you really aces are more so the ones that are going to be doing the flanking. They pull the aces out, and then they have those options because they've let you bring yourself so far out into the board that flanking is, is going to be maybe difficult. Uh, when it comes to the swarms, it's a little easier at times because you will you'll have. Like those ships, quite often, like Tie Fighters, will quite often they don't really do that. Those hard ones, like I mean, they have those options, but you going forward, it's like the forward twos or the soft twos and and such like that. So especially if they get like in positions where it's stressed. So if you if you see that your 
opponent chimps can't make those turns to catch you, then then go for it. Take it when you can. Uh, but yeah, really baiting them with some chips. And uh, what's a what's another good uh, way of getting some flanking going on? I don't know. Those are those are some uh, good little tips though for making it happen. What about you, Jared? What do you do? I I fly Gurry. <laughs> <laughs> I fly Gurry. My answer is Gurry. <laughs> Gurry is always the answer. It's actually the curved barrel rolls are so good. Yeah. I so I've been flying a lot of Jedi, and like Adam said, the double reposition is is huge for flanking. But I've also been flying a lot of Fang fighters, and they only have single reposition, but it can still flank. But a lot of it comes down to like outflying your opponent in a lot of ways and guessing where they're going to be, right? Uh, because I've been flying a lot of really lean lists where I've only got two or three ships. Like I was flying Obi-Wan and Anakin the other day. You don't have the choice then for a bait ship because you've only got two ships. So if you're baiting with one, he's he's got not very much chance, right? Yeah, it's so hard. Yeah. So then you're like you're stuck with trying to like slow play these non-slow playable ships to create a bait option and it's just not the best situation. Just, yep. Just to throw it out there too, like just because you're not using them as bait doesn't mean they aren't targeted, right? True. Like, something is bait, regardless of... Well, not bait, but... Yeah, but I think then you're you're more in a position where you need to look at the battlefield and say, this is where I want engagement to happen, and try and, like, lure them into the corner or into the area that you want them to be, and also, at the same time, you have to be very careful and be very, very ready to run and say... Yep, it's not going to work out this turn. I'm gone. I'm going to set up somewhere else. And I think for a lot of it comes down to trying to get them to make a mistake rather than trying to outfly. (laughs) And the best times that... Oh, yeah. Like the best time I had flanking at the last hyperspace I went to, I was flying Guri Fen, and the best two was against these two two TIE Swarm lists. And I beat them both because I I wanted them to meet in a certain spot. And when they start coming in, I took off because it wasn't great. Well, when they're now trying to turn around and reposition, they got jumbled up. And that's when I'm able to pounce and use my flanking of coming from these two different areas with mm-hmm. Guri and with Fen and able to get a really good shot off. Yeah. Yeah, both both. I mean, those it's not the most competitive are... list. No. But, uh, I mean, Fen and... Fen and Guri are both pretty, pretty good at, at least getting around quickly. I don't know. Yeah, and that was definitely part of my strategy. You know, like Fen has that five straight, which is awesome. So many times, and he's got really good blues. So you're like, all right, you're coming at me. I'm just gonna five straight away, boost, and oh, you still have a range three shot. I'll take the focus just to be just to be safe. And next turn, I'll just do a two or a three straight and get rid of that stress and keep on going and get out of your arc again. You know, it, yeah. It, it's funny, though. I still, like, especially, I think, I think Guri essentially has double reposition. Um, but Fed, you know, so it... I, I don't find it that hard to catch Fen. You know, once he's blocked, he is not that good. Yeah, 
I, I find less an issue getting caught by Fen, quote unquote, as much as like one ship ends up getting him an arc, and every time it's just he just dies because he blanks out. You know, like every time I died with Fen, it was one guy is able to shoot at him, and he just rolls good. And no matter how many dice Fen rolls, he rolls bad. Yep, that's Fen. You know, it doesn't matter if he has four dice or five dice. Like one, one was a range three obstructed shot. The guy just rolled hit, hit, crit, and it was like, oh, cool. And I rolled five blanks, and it was hit, hit, direct hit, so dead Fen. <laughs> that's the biggest issue. I've with seen Fen. it. I've seen that. That has happened to me. I mean, like, the worst thing you can see when you're running these super lightweight, um, agile ships is seeing, like, five ships on a board across from you. That's awful. Oh, you should have seen Fen yesterday when Ray was flying him. It was pretty funny. He got shot at by Wedge, I think it was, and uh, Fen rolled two green dice, and one came up and evade, one came up with focus, and Fen had a focus, but also had range one on... Luke Skywalker on a, in a flanking position so I was giving him suggestions as he's just kind of getting his feet wet with 2.0 like you know you probably should just spend it uh, you don't want to take I think it was actually a hit crit that was coming through so it would have been a crit like you probably don't want to take the crit like just just you know what you won't have any mods for your attack and then uh, like but at least you won't be damaged so uh, he rolls and uh, Natty's five five hits oh wow <laughs> Five hits wow. of range one, and uh, Luke Skywalker, I think, blanked out, basically. It was like, all, suddenly all the shields are gone. <laughs> Luke Skywalker goes down almost to half, and, like, I mean, past half, and almost on limping legs and dead. So I was like, oh, oh, that was great. That was amazing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> those, those are the moments that make me keep flying Fen, even when he sucks. Those, those are feel goods with <laughs> feel good feelings for a lot of ships. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just roll natties. <laughs> Words to live by. Every time, just roll natties. All right, guys. Well, do you have any closing thoughts before we finish? I am super excited for June 6th and it's going to be awesome to see the new ships come out and I can't wait for our uh, our event at Brew Wizards Board Game Cafe happening this Saturday. So, uh, what uh, what day is that? That is the 25th. Uh, so yes, uh, doors open at 10 a.m. Uh, everything, dry, dice drop at 11 a.m. And uh, yeah. Now, uh, do Dice actually drop at 11? Is the door actually going to open at 10? The, the yeah. Brew Wizards is fantastic. The, the door is going to be open at 10. The dice are going to be dropping at 11. And we're dishing out the second wave content. So uh, that amazing art, alt art acrylic uh, uh, scorch card, uh, the acrylic templates. Oh, yeah. uh, we got we got the proton bomb acrylics from FFG coming. Uh, I've got other surprises in store to dish out, as well as a whole slew of different alt art cards from the the wave kit. And it's just, it's going to be great. There's going to be so many prizes, and uh, yeah, it's going to be awesome. I really anyone who's around locally to Oshawa, come on out. Feel free to join. Uh, also, catch us on Star Wars Gaming Durham, so you can sign up uh, there as well. How about you, Adam? Any closing thoughts for us? Uh, nothing. You know, just a quick note. The uh, another classic play for the flank is to point at a rock and make your opponent guess. 
which way you're going. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's a pretty classic move. Um, beyond that, uh, you know what? I uh, Hopefully I'll, uh, I'll win, get those templates, and use them to uh, hold the door open. Those range rollers. Oh, you. <laughs> you. Maybe I'll turn I, that. I do know. I'll fold that scorch into a nice uh, plastic paper airplane, right? Nice little. That sound nice, Andrew. I, I really want this. <laughs> <I really, laughs> I'll still have it if you bend it. I'll still use you it. You still take it. Yeah, yeah. I'll still take it. No, I need a list. Give me a list. <laughs> I'll. I'm gonna give you whatever one doesn't beat mine. That's what I'll, that's what you'll get. <laughs> so, what's the format Saturday? Extended. Uh, so for phantoms. No, oh. I can't. <laughs> I can't do it. I can't bring myself to do it. Fair. I can't bring myself to do that either. <laughs> All right. So, any shoutouts, Andrew? Uh, shoutouts regular to Brew Wizards Board Game Cafe and uh, Critical Hit Gaming Lounge. Uh, just for always supporting us, always having those doors open for us. Uh, sometimes on time, sometimes on not. <laughs> but uh, but always just no for real. Always just supporting us uh, through the throughout the time that we've been around. It's just been a pleasure playing out of your, your guys' places. So, yep, yeah. You know what? There's a note. Support your local game store, or you won't have a community to play with. Like that. That's my takeaway. And do you have any shoutouts, Adam? Nah, not really. <laughs> well everybody thank you so much for joining us once again my name is Jared Grunoy again and until next time keep your ships on the mat we're rooting for you and as always just roll natties